Hello, I'm Gareth. And I'm Shane. And welcome to Building Business Resilience. This is the podcast from Sanctuary Financial Planning, which helps growth business owners and social media influencers achieve financial independence. We're two passionate financial planners on a mission to seek out new ideas, tips and tricks to help you take control of your finances and run better businesses. We delve into the true goals and aspirations of our guests in order to provide you with some real value and positivity. Nothing outrageous, clear, simple, solid financial solutions. We also have a YouTube series to accompany this and details will be at the end of the show. So let's move on to our guest. episode 19 in today's show we're going to be talking to sean win owen sean is the head chef and partner at the world famous river cafe on the bank of the river thames in london sean has a passion for cooking for all of her had a life and has worked in the river cafe since 2000 the restaurant is unique in the fact that the kitchen is virtually half women and half men and they change the menu on a daily basis Speaking to Sean, you can feel her passion for what she does and her commitment to an industry she loves. So without much further ado, let's get started. Hi, Sean. How are you? Good, thank you. Very good. Good. Well, thanks for, thanks yeah. for coming on. Pleasure. It's nice to uh, do something different. Straight off the back of how many covers? Um, well, we've just cooked for today, lunch, about 165. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's a modest 165. Is that a couple of tours of the restaurant, or...? Um, we, uh, well, with the sort of distancing, I guess we were doing, like, filling the restaurant very slowly. So we start service at 12, and then the last yeah. table can sit down about 3 o'clock. So it's not actually that diff- difficult to get the numbers in. But with the distancing, you know, we have to be careful not to sort of, you know, run it like just people falling on top of each other. So it just feels quite sedate. <laughs> Is it, is it a bit more of a kind of relaxed service, I guess, in that way, for the kitchen, is it? Um, it's relaxed, yeah. It's relaxed-ish, you know, as kitchen life ever can be. It's yeah, relaxed yeah, yeah. as kitchen life ever is, you know. It all starts yeah. again at... Um, at well, time. now six o'clock, six, yeah, because we used to reopen for dinner at seven, but because we need to, you know, like any restaurant, needs to sort of, you know, we're trying to recoup losses now for a couple of months of closure, so we, we decided to try and... You know, to try and do the numbers, we need to try and open an hour earlier. So we've, we've brought the opening time earlier. So we can just try and, you know, get as many people through. We've got waiting lists as long as your arm as well. So that's 300 and something odd people per day, every yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very nice. You see, we've got this beautiful outside terrace. I don't know if you've seen, but we've got a, a beautiful terrace that seats probably about... 80 people, 80 to 90 people, all distanced by more than a metre. You know, so as long as the weather holds up, it is yeah. a really beautiful place to sit and have dinner under the stars in London, which is also yeah. feels really nice and airy, you know, after being, you yeah. know, of all the places to be. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, cause it, it, London is not always the airiest of places, is it? Exactly, exactly. And I know that when people, especially Londoners, when they think, oh, where should I go and eat? You always think, oh, the River Cafe, at least it's on the river. Yeah. And it's, you know, probably by taxi from central London, maybe 20 minutes, you know, in, in, in traffic. Mm. So it's not, it's not sort of miles out. It's perfectly accessible. But that, that has to be a reason to go out to come out to Hammersmith. Oh, yeah. No, it's, um, I can see that's a nice location. You're right on the edge of the Thames then, effectively. 
Exactly, exactly. So it's just beautiful. And, and in the evening, it really is quite a special place. It, it looks beautiful and the, and the lights are on and, you know, but today it's been quite, quite pumping today. <laughs> how do you get time to, to um, you know, appreciate how nice it is when you have to do that amount of um, uh, dinners and meals? It's funny. Well, this morning, when I, I, I walked into work this morning, and I thought I had walked in with my kids, actually, because they're on, obviously, school holidays. So I was like, well, come and play on the lawn while I write the menu. We walked in along the river and then sat outside to write the menu. And um, all the doors and windows are open. All the chefs and waiters are working away. You know, it does feel as good as it gets in the restaurant, you know, in, in London. Because, I mean, you know, I've worked underground. I've worked in places without windows. And now you think, OK, it's, it's a really beautiful place to you know, to, to be able to work. Yeah, no, I can imagine. So um, the restaurant, the River Cafe. Yeah. Head chef, yeah. partner. Yeah. 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 T- tell us about, tell us about the restaurant. Um, well, the River Cafe is a restaurant that's uh, about 32, 32 years old. It's coming up to 33 this September. And um, it was started by two women, um, Rose Gray, who, who died um, about maybe 10 years ago-ish, about 10 years ago, and Ruth Rogers, who's still alive. And um, and she is the wife of uh, Richard Rogers, so basically Lord Rogers, who's the architect. So he, he put his architectural practice, you know, uh, in the old Duckham's Oil Depot in, in Thames Wharf, and they needed a place for the architects to have their lunch. So they kind of just started a really, really small restaurant and, um, you know, doing simple food for the architects to come and eat. But then gradually, because the cooking was so good, people were like, oh, can I come and eat with an architect? And then gradually, you know, they just, it just kind of, it grew from that, from as simple as that. And, and only latterly, about, I think about two years ago, Richard, um, Richard moved out with his architect practice. And, um, you know, now, we, you know, people, we have artists, it's quite a creative community around Thames Wharf. So, People who live locally and, and work locally can come and have a set lunch still. So it's still the same ethos. But yeah, 32 years. I've been the head chef for about 15 years now. So kind of a while. Yeah, that's, 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 that's good going. So I guess, uh, I guess the, the chefs generally stay in one place or is it the normal kind of move around quite a bit? Um, well, I would say we keep chefs for a long time because... Yeah. Um, I think the way I employ people is I want, it's in our interest as a business to, you know, to keep good people and to keep good people, especially in chefing, you need to consider that what the preconception of what, what catering is, is, you know, you would probably, I would imagine come to this podcast, have a chat thinking that chefs work, you know, terrible hours, uh, long hours in a sort of maybe, you know, an environment which we've all seen the TV programs looks pretty, you know, challenging. And um, I, I guess, you know, for me now as a head chef, I've, I always try and, what I think the secret of keeping our staff is that we let people have a life. So, you know, I, w- I would say that my, what I say to any chef when I employ them is that I want them to want to come to work and I want them to want to go home. And there's no shame in saying you're really looking forward to going home. You know, like, I'm really looking forward to going home tonight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a cookbook. I'm going to cook something from my family, you know, and like, good luck to you. I, I totally, I think the, the, you know, the kind of overworked chef just, just perpetuates exhaustion and makes people hate their job. Yes. And so when they hate their job, they just give up. Mm-hmm. And so people, people, 
I, I think people are drawn to chefing for passion because no one's ever going to be, I want to be a millionaire, I'm going to be a chef. Well, I mean, maybe some people do. It's hardly a job that it's not like I want to be a pop star kind of thing. So you're drawn to cooking for passion and loving cooking and food and eating and, you know, hospitality. And so, you, you know, you, it's, a, it's an industry that you're attracted to probably for the passion of cooking. And then you work so many hours that you lose the passion and you have to give up. So you, it's in your interest as an employer is to keep people passionate. And that means, firstly, I would say not overworking them to a point that they start to hate their job. So we have chefs that have stayed, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years. My, my direct colleague, um, me and Joseph, we, we, we would consider ourselves both to be the head chefs. So that in itself means that neither of us has to be overworked either. Yeah. And um, he, we've, he's been here 19 years. I've been here 20 years. You know, so we, and, and that's just at the top. And people around us, 15 years, 18 yeah. years. No, <laughs> so actually, when, you, when you're getting food then that's been cooked by chefs who are extremely experienced as well, you know. Yeah. Like that, proper mama's cooking. That's good. That, that, <laughs> and, and I guess it's that, you said mama's cooking there. Is that the style of food which they're kind of... Yeah, so we cook, um, it sort of basically began as Tuscan cooking, I suppose. Tuscan cooking 30 years ago in London was really, really ahead of its time. And Rose and Ruth, you know, women that you have to credit with changing the way people ate in Britain. You know, Cavallo Nero and Pancetta and, you know, all these things are, are things that we just take for granted. But if the River Cafe was, was I would say, the restaurant or one of the restaurants that that changed the way people viewed cooking. You know, Jamie Oliver was one of the, you know, one of the alumni, one of the old alumni of the restaurant, you know, and he, looked what he did. And, you know, if you consider this was all just a knock-on effect from, from Rose and Ruth and their vision of, you know, of cooking. So, um, yeah, so it was Tuscan. And then, um, but now we do, we do regional Italian cooking, I'd say, you know, um, what do we have on today? Well, today we had some, um, split and wood roasted longestines that we were cooking in the wood oven with some wild oregano and chili and lemon and we we would always remember sort of going down to Liguria and eating them by the sea and you know so you can sort of think well that's like a beautiful Ligurian thing and then you know might you have a sort of summer ribolita something like that it was very Tuscan so we mix we, we're lucky enough to be able to go through the whole of Italy as our repertoire rather than being like we're Tuscan because that could get just a bit heavy I don't know if the Londoners would go for that <laughs> Chat <laughs> about uh, Jamie Oliver and ch chat about you know your journey or your career and was it a thing in the early days that it was there wasn't as many women chefs because we all know the the, uh, the male chefs was it predominantly male chefs when you started and is that is that um, percentage changing now or has it changed? Uh, I think when I started cooking, so I, I went to um, London University actually. Uh, how many years ago? I can't dare and even remember. More than 25 years ago. And I actually, I started off doing law. And then I switched and did a human nutrition and dietetics because I really wanted to cook. But my dad um, was really determined that I should educate, get myself an education. And it was really unfashionable to be a chef then. It was like, you know, it wasn't, that nowadays it sort of seems like a credible career. But yeah. how many years ago? 25 years ago, more than 25 years ago, it was less less so and so when I finished in uni I went to King's in London um I'd managed to get a job in Harvey Nichols in the fifth floor restaurant there which was quite contemporary and and starting this new sort of wave of cooking that you know this modern British or whatever um 
people call it. And and um, and I was definitely one of a few women then. And then I moved to open the Bluebird restaurant on the King's Road, which we were doing about 500 covers a day there. 500 covers a service. So that was really busy. <laughs> and I remember the first opening kitchen was about 50 chefs. And I would say about 45 men and about five women. And then flash forward to now, the River Cafe, we've got 100, 100 staff. Um, we've got a kitchen of about 30 chefs. And I'd say we're probably 60, 40 women men at the moment. But yeah. we, we always try and keep it equal. So, it, you know, we don't have, you know, we, it's never, it's never out of kilter, yeah. you know. So I feel a lot of pride in that, you know. Brilliant. And how, and how have you adapted in the, in the current climate with everything that's gone on over the last few months? Um, so with, so we, we basically, we closed the restaurant ahead of having to close because we felt there was a, there was a real swell of, of, um, opinion that everyone was getting really nervous and it felt inconsiderate to our staff to make them, I don't know, pick up napkins for customers. We just felt like we have to listen to what people are saying. So we, mm. we closed um, early and we decided to set up, um, a sort of delivery company called the river delivers. Okay. Um, and we were really pleased with the name and, <laughs> and then we, we, but then even that we started thinking, you know, can we justify people coming into work for this? It felt really irres- slightly irresponsible, even though that we, the idea was, was good. So we, we closed that down after, after one day. So we always were like, okay, that's a really, really short business that we set up as a one day business. <laughs> And um, and then as lockdown continued, we we um, just, we there was five I think about six of us that weren't furloughed, and so we decided that we needed to try and just keep. We weren't sure when we'd be able to reopen, but yet we were, we were kind of keen to kind of keep the energy going of the River Cafe and keep us out there because for thirty two years we we couldn't let ourselves sort of yeah. vanish. So we set up um, a shop called Shop the River Cafe which we, we, we've been doing um, cooked produce, olive oil, um, wine, River Cafe Dolce cakes. Um, and then we gradually could unfurlow people as the, as the shop, the River Cafes started to, to grow. But we've recently just, now we've reopened, we've just taken on our operations director to sort of hone it because it was a bit, it was slightly, you know, for us to grow any further, we felt that we needed to take on you know, invest in someone that can help us to take the, you know, take the idea forward and invest in proper packaging and delivery, you know, so we can do something a bit slicker. So we're planning to sort of hopefully get that going through September now. So we've just reopened the restaurant and we're trying to work out how to keep a shop going. So that's been, that's been a challenge, you know, for us as a team. And was that shop ever, was, was there ever the intention of, opening the shop or was that just a, a decision that was done because of what happened in the last few months and all of a sudden then it's a new it's a new venture yeah it was yeah it was it was reactive okay and um, we were always looking for new ventures and ideas um but we did we had been we have had um some things that you could buy within the river cafe because obviously we've got our books we did a book the last book about two years ago and we have a gift boxes it was our, the only thing we really sold which was a a selection of really beautiful curated items that you literally couldn't buy anywhere else. Even if you look at it and think, Oh my goodness, you know, that's a really expensive box. But if you went and tried to buy it, you couldn't buy it anywhere. And if you did, you would definitely spend more. So we felt it was quite an honest 
thing. So we'd enjoyed doing that. So we yeah. thought, well, let's try and let's try and think outside the box because we may have no choice. And, and thinking if there, if we have another lockdown, we need something so we can, you know, keep out all our staff employed. That's our main objective to keep everyone in, you know, in their livelihoods. We feel very protective of all of all our staff. You know, it's really nice to hear from. from yeah. So with you, you know, you're, you were saying earlier on you're travelling up and down from, from Wales to London on a regular basis. What's, what's the big motivation for you? Because that's, that's the journey time that you have to do is, is long. And it, is, <laughs> well, it wasn't really that. I was generally um, living my life in, in West London quite, you know, obviously proud Welsh woman, don't get me wrong, um, really enjoying my, my West London life. But then... Um, I mean, this will make everyone really sad, but my dad died in February and we've been kind of, um, my mum had sort of moved into sort of different accommodation. And so we were left with, with, the, with the house and um, we were just in the process of trying to sort of sort out, you know, go through the house. And, and then it looked like, oh my goodness, London is going to be locked down. We need to work out if we're going back to get locked down in Shepherd's Bush or if we're going to stay in the countryside. So we were like, well, let's stay. And so then, and the kids were so happy, obviously, as you all know, in, in lovely Wales, that we were just like, it seems really, you know, we, it's nicer to keep them there if we can. So, you know, just, you know, whilst we can still travel up and down, if it looks like we're going to get locked in again, I have to make the decision where to be. <laughs> I don't think it's a hard decision. <laughs> but, it, you know, so I've been really fortunate over the last, since we've been reopened, that we've been allowed to come, come and go now. Thankfully, we can come into Wales. Go, as that be a disaster? Yeah. yeah. You know? So, it sounds like a lot of travelling, though. I so say you, you get the benefit of waking up in the morning listening to, to the birds and that, but it's, um, yeah, it's a lot of uh, time spent in the M4. Well, I think... I don't know, I was trying to work that out, but I was thinking if on a bad day you could drive across from West London to East London, it'll take you two hours. Yeah. And no one minds. And actually three hours, but when you get to sort of open the car door and breathe in the fresh air, it's like, it's worth every minute, you know. If, yeah, and at the moment, it does seem okay on the M4. It's not too, it's not too bad, is it? You know, it's a bit quieter. No, no, it, it, no, you, you've hardly been anywhere, have you? But you no, know, it is a lot. It's getting busier, but I like it because the run into London can be absolute carnage, can't it? But I yeah. assume it is a lot easier at the moment, then, is it? Or ha- I guess it has been during the. It has been. It has been, and it's you know we the kids are just I, I've got them with me this week, and and they're just desperate to get back in the car and go back the way. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of. Um, but, but yeah, I can see because that's a that's a massive. Because how many? Because if you're driving from Cambridge and then how many hours are you working then going back? Um, well, um, no, it's not so bad. It's just a full week's work. It's just a full oh, week's work. Surely, you're kind of beginning the week and then going back. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I just group my shifts together because I kind of work shifts. Chefs generally do shifts rather than you know Monday to Friday nine to five. So that's you know the best part of that is the fact that you can. In theory, you can do a lot of, you could probably squeeze a full week's work into three or four days if you want to. And then I can work remotely when I'm not in yeah. the cafe, you know, on, on the shop and on, you know, everything else. So I just sort of pile in my time in the kitchen and then come to Wales and work remotely on everything else. But I thought if I did this interview with you in the garden, that you'd, you'd be like, are you really a head chef in a restaurant? You're <laughs> way too relaxed. <laughs> yeah, because at least you're in your whites. And, uh... <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. <laughs> what, do you know, one what, of the big things that's come up for all the, the, the times we've chatted, Sean, with a lot of people is mental toughness and uh, that's in business and stuff like that. And one of the questions, the big question we ask people is how, how do you cope with the, the bad days? How do you have it, keep a, a, you know, a happy face for both staff, customers, and when, when, when crap is going on? How, um, yeah. All that because all I can see is this you know, the programs you see on TV where you know the, the kitchen is an absolute minefield, there's people shouting at each other, and everyone's in a bad mood. So, in the real world, how, how do you how do you cope with all of that? And um, I think in the restaurant, we what I would really pride myself on, and I know I speak well, so we, I mean, all of us, is that we kind of have a house style of how we how we behave as it is as a unit. Yeah. Like if you walk into the restaurant, you would hopefully be greeted very warmly by someone smiling. And that they can smile probably because they're not so overworked that they're losing their passion, you know. And, and they've, you know, hopefully had a night off before. You know, we, we're really careful of the shifts we do. Um, and it's sort of, it's kind of catching. It's infectious. There's a good energy. People are, are buoyant. And I really um, try and, you know, personally keep myself in... You know, it's like being on stage in many ways. As soon as you walk through the door, um, you walk into the into the restaurant space. We come down from the office into the restaurant space, and and I see the the blue carpet and the pink wood wood oven at the end, and all the chefs are working away. And I always just think it's like you have to just put a smile on your face, and and it just takes you, doesn't it? You know. And I think it's the kind of house style. You know, I don't. I'm never. Um, would raise my you know obviously you could raise your voice but just be really careful about how we speak to people and so generally you know a bad day say you're having a bad day I don't know outside work you could generally come into work and as soon as you step onto the blue carpet you you have to put yourself into your professional space and and I think chefs can somehow train themselves in the river cafe to adopt that and and they can take it with them as as part of a really positive energy and to people that are doing very well when they're in the restaurant, are very professional and polite and friendly and enjoying it. And then you can get back outside and sit in your car and go, oh my goodness, what? <laughs> back to my real life. You know, where's it, you know. And so it's, it can keep you buoyant, I have to say. We all really missed, you know, being on lockdown, I think was, was harder because there is such a camaraderie between everyone here. And, 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 you know, without that, it felt, as soon I was thinking, well, I'm, what's it going to be like coming back to work? I've been away for so long and I've almost become mute. I hadn't seen anyone in Wales at all. I've been so isolated. And then I just saw everyone again. I was like, oh my goodness, it's just so joyful to see these pe- amazing people that we work with who are just, you know, just such, you know, wonderful energy. So that that does help, I would say. Yeah. It, it sounds just a few things that I picked up on that you've been saying about, you know, the, the, the team and almost the, the team ethics and, and everyone... You wanting everyone to go to work, um, but wanting everyone to enjoy it, wanting everyone to, what's the, the word, put in a, a proper shift, be exhausted by the end of it because you're, you're entertaining people yeah. money for that, yeah. so that you're so tired that come the end of the day, it's absolutely fine to say, I love my job, but I am absolutely exhausted now and I really can't wait to go home and relax. But you know yeah. what? When I recharge my batteries, I'm so looking forward to coming in tomorrow to do a job that I love. Yeah the people that I actually yeah. really enjoy working with. Exactly. And I don't want to make it sound like um, it's just some kind of, you know, it's rigorous, it's serious, it's proper, but the, it's genuinely, you know, really um, 
a positive a positive um, way of working. Obviously, you have good and bad days with people and different things, but generally, I'd say we really it's one of our real value, uh, core values is um, is sort of kindness and respect rather than fear and all the rest of it. Especially in the kitchen world, which you know sometimes I've had chefs in the past who've come from different kitchens. Some people have arrived and they've been almost damaged by the experience and you can see it and you can firstly you can see it in their skin because often people I mean will have you know bad skin from not seeing any fresh air or daylight and you know maybe not being eating very well because um and maybe in their manner and you think you can see that they've been in kitchens that's being aggressive and you think oh you know and I and or you can have a chef that might have worked in a kitchen which is aggressive will come in with a manner or be maybe have a and you might have to just rein them in and say you know it really isn't that kind of kitchen. It really isn't that kind of kitchen. And, and, you know, obviously we have zero tolerance on any kind of bullying behavior. So that nips that in the bud and any kind of sexist, you know, so it's really straight down the line, you know, there's the zero tolerance on it. So it means that people know that if they go down that, you really sort of slam them for it. And it's, you know, where can you come back? How can you come back if you're going to behave like that? So we, we're quite strict on it. But it doesn't have to be enforced because it enforces itself, you know. Is, is, isn't it a thing that people almost change them? The, 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 if they come from an environment where they have been, you were using the term being bullied or or, or being, uh, being in a place where it's been aggressive, have they over time then changed because they've been they've gone into an environment with you guys where it's almost a rehab of going. This is how we work here now, and they change, they adapt, and do they do they get this yeah. back into the? It's not a job anymore. Again, it's a it's a passion for doing what they yeah. wanted to do originally. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's definitely, you know, underpins that. And, you know, that obviously comes from Ruthie, who comes right at the top, the owner of the restaurant, who who sets that as an example straight off. That is just, you know, when people say it's like a family of the River Cafe, and it is, I always say, I always joke that it's like the mafia because once you leave, <laughs> you're always part of the family. You know, generally, 99% of the time, when you come back, we'll always look after you. We had one of our chefs who, who'd left and gone off to... Um, gone off to open his own restaurant. And he, his wife had had twins in um, Chelsea and Westminster one, you know, a few years ago. And there was gridlock in Hammersmith, like proper gridlock. Like, you know, the cars were not moving. People were spending like two hours to get anywhere. And his wife was in the in the car with their newborn twins just coming home from Chelsea and Westminster. And you know how they scream, you know. And he, I remember opening, the doors opening and there was David standing there looking totally fried, like, with his two twins screaming and he didn't know where to go, but he came to the River Cafe because it's the only place he could think of. We were like, David, come in, go and sit upstairs, you know, feed the babies, get the, you know, and it was just like, we hadn't seen him for years, but it was like, you know, once you've done your time, <laughs> you're always part of the family, you know. You talk, you talk about family there. You, you've, got, you've got a young family, um, no more than uh, yeah. of us. How, how do you balance uh, life and, and a demanding job? Uh, well, uh, for me, yeah, I've got my little Pearl who's 12 and Legra who's six. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> speaking as the older mother, age 48 with a six year old. It's, uh, it's a, <laughs> a challenge, but, um, no, I've got Jamie, who's my, my partner who actually is the river cafe gardener, but he, you know, for, I'm fortunate to have, you know, a stay at home parent who, you know, can do the nights and, you know, the night when I'm at work and, you know, I know I'm fortunate um, 
as a working woman to have you know like them every man says I've got the, the great woman behind me I've <laughs> you know I've got the reverse but um you know even for women I would say one of the things I was thinking I if I had an opportunity to talk about would be um you know women and, and chefs when they have kids because often that's the end of the road for a woman yeah. when she's a chef because you sort of think well how the heck can I do shift work because daycare doesn't is not night care and you know it becomes you know really difficult and I know when I when I had my, my older daughter, um, one a chef in another restaurant said to me, well, that's, that's you, you've you just thrown your career away now. And, and it, I guess, you know, when I came back, I thought I have to work and work and work because it was, that was 12 years ago. But now I think we have, one of my chefs had, went off to have a baby. And, and when she came back, she said she wanted to work, she wanted to work these hours and she, she needed this because she had to cope with childcare and all the rest of it. And then she also wanted a pay rise. And I was blown away by her, by her, conf- I was blown away by her confidence. And I just thought, wow, yes, I totally agree. Yes, you should. Because to be able to have, keep these brilliant women in the kitchen, you need to, you need to let them be able to say what they want to work. You have to let them, you know, dictate their hours. Cause it's really difficult being a yeah. working mother and doing shift work. And I was, and I just thought, it's a really, it is a challenge in catering, but as one of the things I'm really proud of at the River Cafe is that we, that you can actually achieve that as a working mother. And I just think, wow, I love, I just feel really proud to say that now in this day and age, you can actually, you know, you can do it, not everywhere, but you can do it here, you know. Amazing, amazing. But mm. The big question then is, if you spend all day cooking, do you do all the cooking at home? Or do, do the kids uh, not want to, their, their mother to cook for them? <laughs> um, I'd be lying to say I don't do all the cooking at home. <laughs> I'd like to do it. But, you know, it, it's easy for me to cook. So I do just cook. And I, it's just all I know how to do. I can't really do anything else. So I do cook. And my kids are really fussy eaters, yeah. So I'd like to say, no, no, they eat really well. They live on them. But they, they just eat like regular kids. And I just think good luck to them I don't want them to have you know they eat well but I just think let them be you know let them eat fish fingers and beans if they want to you know <laughs> okay. what do kids of that age do oh, yeah. exactly. exactly I just think there's enough time to sort of go and eat white truffles and all the rest of it you know let them you know and I try and you know I we I my main thing with with them is that we eat just home cooked food really if they just home cooked food as much as possible but I'm not strict with them at all. So do, do you get a chance that there is a, like a, a family night where you, you know you're all going to sit down for a meal one night a week or something like that, to, with you doing different shifts and stuff? Um, yeah, yeah, because well, I probably only work two or three nights a week. Like okay. I said, because me and Joseph, we would share, you know, the the past. So we don't, like one of us, he has three children under five. <laughs> he needs to be home more than me. Yeah. But, um, oh, yeah, so every night I'm not at work, we sit down and eat together. Yeah, yeah always. It's in, for us, it's important just because, uh, well, I just, I just like, I don't want to lose the table as the kind of, yeah. not that, you know, it's nice to at least eat together. Yeah, so we have a family chat and bond together and find out the exactly. stories of the day. You know? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, high, highs and lows in your life, is there any... Um, Big, big things that you've achieved and low points. 
Highs, highs, I would say um, professionally, probably um, the gift box, doing the River Cafe gift boxes has been a, a really great challenge for me, being able to do something within my role, um, you know, after 20 years behind the stove, so to speak, being able to do something that's been, you know, exciting for, for the business and see, you know, see it come back, you know, in the, in the return on that. Um, the River Cafe 30, I was um, really fortunate to be allowed to, to work on that and that was nice to see your name on a book and you know even though we we really just re-edited the original cookbook um after 30 years you know Ruthie was really kind to allow me and Joseph to put our name on it with her so that was that felt really special you know uh Lowe's I guess we had a fire here at the River Cafe when uh in 2008 um and the whole kitchen was gutted and we it was the same time as the as the um, as the banks were crashing in the, the U.S. and we we did wonder then whether we'd ever be able to come out from that, and uh, we managed to, you know, re rebuild the kitchen and reopen, and then we lost Rose, who was um, you know the co-founder, mm. and that was also a real, yeah. you know, we we all kind of loved Rose it was like oh my god how are we ever going to manage without our leader you know obviously we still have Ruthie but we were one one woman down but we've managed to you know come through that as a, as a team you know it's not just me here so we you know that that was uh we've sort of that's you know feel proud of ourselves for that I guess you know what was it like you mentioned there you know the the achievements that you've done but you know for the place being closed for during lockdown what was it like the first first afternoon, first evening when you opened up for, you know, people to come back in again, was that something special, you know, that you didn't know it, it could have been closed for a lot longer? Was it just, wow, it's nice to have people back in again, there's a buzz, you know, yeah. back working? It was kind of funny because we were just getting the restaurant set up because we only wrote the menu that morning. We were really ill-prepared for it. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, how do you do this again? I'd completely forgotten how to write a menu. I was like, oh. You have to think about balance and colour, and you know, obviously it's seasonal. But I was a bit rusty. But don't tell, don't tell the uh, the three hundred people that came in that day. <laughs> it's like it takes a bit of time to get back into a stride. You know, it's like okay. were, you, were you plate, were you plating up and thinking, that's not quite right. <laughs> no, but I was always doing. It. I thought, oh, I forgot about that dish. Oh, I forgot. Oh, I could do so. Oh, you know, you're thinking. So actually, it takes a couple of shifts to get back into your menu writing groove you know and so I don't but anyway everyone was so happy to be back in the restaurant and yeah. it's, it was so lovely to see all the chefs and the customers there was a real you know emotion of emotional feeling but I'd because I'd had to come back from from Wales to reopen the restaurant Wales was still in lockdown so I was like okay I'm back here and now I can't even go back to Wales <laughs> I'm here and it was really odd because I'd been so locked away I, just being around that many people was like okay this is what eating in a restaurant looks like you know it was, it was definitely like a real okay but now we're back into it now it seems really normal back, just yeah. back into normal it's normal now again it's just back into the routine it feels like that we have to keep you know making sure everyone's sort of distanced um and we you know we're wearing masks in the kitchen and you know very careful with the hygiene and table distancing but um it feels much like um, much more normal, yeah. Yeah. Logistically, did you have to do a lot with the restaurant and like the layout and I guess with staff and so on and so forth? Uh, 
Not at the moment. Not we didn't have to because we basically because we've got this big outside area. Mm. We we just reduced the number of tables inside and just put them outside. So we've we kind of we've managed to be very spaced out. I mean, if it rains, it, we haven't had a rainy day yet. We haven't. We, so hang on a minute. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Well, we have. We we'll, have. We'll, we'll have to plan that. Yes. <laughs> We kind of work that out. We a lot of the tables we book, we have to say, look, you've got a table outside, and it, it, it can't be inside because of the numbers. And uh, then I guess if it's tipping down, work it out, you know. Yeah. But we've we've managed to so far. We so far we're doing we're doing well, and that's you know we're very relieved for that. With the the type of career that you have, surely there has to be a few funny funny moments, incidents. I suppose, are you able to share any with us that will not get you locked up or be brought to court? <laughs> I always always feel worried about saying things like that because I always think every single lesson I've learned, I've learned the hard way. I wish I was the sort of person that hadn't done that, but I genuinely think I've I've made every single mistake that you could make. The worst the worst mistake, which I, I suppose I really shouldn't share, but whatever, I'm the highly, highly, highly most candid person was when I was working really long hours in a restaurant before here and the head chef, I was young, well, obviously younger, and the, the head chef was like, go and, go and get the longest thing from the fridge for the crustacea, because I had a crustacea bar, I was at the Bluebird, and um, I had a crustacea bar. And I was so tired. I'd done like four double shifts in a row and I was like asleep on my feet. And also I'd made the common, what do you call it, the... And a schoolgirl error that I just presumed that a prawn, when it was cooked, was pink. And when it was raw, was... You know how when you see a raw prawn, it's like a grey colour? You know, yeah. prawns, when they're, when they're raw, they're grey. And when they're cooked, they're pink. And when a lobster's raw, it's black, isn't it? And when it's cooked, it's red. And I just... So I went into the fridge. I was really tired. And I saw these longestine in there, and they were pink. So I just pulled them out. And I thought... Oh my God, they really look like they're moving. And I thought, oh, well, they can't be. I'm really tired and they're pink, so they must be cooked. So I just put them on the plate and ran them out to the restaurant and the head chef just sent them straight out. But what I didn't realise was longestines are pink when they're raw and pink when they're cooked. And they were just really sleepy because they'd been in the fridge. So they were moving really slowly. And so I just sent a whole plate of live longestines to a table and they ran off the plate across <laughs> the table. <laughs> And I got such a bollocking for that. I literally, and the worst part of it was the people who had it were celebrities and they talked about it on their TV show the next day. And I was literally like, oh my God, I'm never going to work again. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, that's pretty bad. I serve live seafood to someone. (laughs) Not just a little bit alive, like properly alive. Probably alive and ran on the table. That's brilliant. Yeah, so I, I, I always feel like when people make mistakes like that, I think, uh, you know, <laughs> where do we go? <laughs> I could probably match that. No, nobody nobody has ever gone through life, I think, without ever making mistakes. And as long as we learn from them and learn to, to cook properly in the future. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Nobody that has ever not made a mistake. Um, it's, it's just, I suppose... You know, if we make a mistake, it's in front of a computer. If you make it, it's in, it's in front of a celebrity, unfortunately. Exactly. Well, now, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Well, we have someone yesterday in the kitchen. Just, yeah, we have some issues where you have maybe have like, I don't know, a countdown because we do everything fresh. So if you start running out with something, you have to count down. So you might say, we've got five ravioli left, 
for ravioli, you know, and keep an eye on it so that, you know, the customer can be told before they sit down or we can change the menu because we can just Definitely. print a whole new menu. But sometimes you have a situation where, you know, the chef has counted wrong and you think, oh, and, you know, how to ensure that they learn from that without making them feel so, you know, crap about themselves that they go home and feel, you know, because you've got to keep in perspective as well, haven't you? You know, if you can, encourage people to keep it in perspective, you know. Do you, t- do you take the mickey out of the person and just go and buy them an abacus for the following day and just go, here, learn <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Yeah, no, I just think in my head, I just say, oh, I'll keep my back in my eye on that one. They clearly <laughs> can't count very well. But I would also almost say for something like that, I'd say I probably blame myself in truth. I probably would just think I should have probably kept more of an eye on that. It's all very easy to blame that young chef, isn't it? But you actually think, you know, actually, who is responsible around here? It's not, they're, they're learning you know, in truth. So I would, it's kind of probably better to reflect on that oneself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. So um, what's, what's next for River Cafe and, and, and yourself? Uh, for me, just enjoying being back in the kitchen with everyone, um, you know, and then hopefully we'll get this shop up and running and that will be exciting and, you know, looking you know, looking at our wildest dreams, you know, thinking, you know, maybe this time next year we might be able to have, I don't know, someone in Cardiff be able to buy the tomato sauce and the pasta. Because at the moment it's just sort of within London and you know, I like the idea of maybe being able to branch out or sell it in, you know, some different shops. And, and that, that feels quite exciting. Um, and just, you know, just settling in, loving being back in work, loving being back in the kitchen. Yeah. You know, an extended yeah, holiday that nobody ever wanted, but um, now hopefully it's over and you're back uh, doing what everyone enjoys. Exactly, exactly. Well, I didn't find it not that much of a holiday in truth because I was trying to homeschool as well, which was added. <laughs> I mean, I have to put you up on your comment about holiday. <laughs> as any... <laughs> I mean, we're both in the same boat, so we know exactly what it is. Work is a lot easier than homeschooling. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah. 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 That was like a challenge in itself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, at some stage, it was just worth giving up and going, fine, you know what, teachers, you can, you can deal with that when it happens again. Homeschooling was just... Uh, oh well, I was thinking if it happened in the 70s, I'm sure they would have just let us all just run wild, wouldn't they? Yeah. You know, yeah. but then suddenly I realised I was saying to someone the other day, it's like, as a full-time working parent and having to homeschool and clean and eat and cook or do any number it was just beyond the challenge I felt I felt think I fell into the category of people that felt overwhelmingly busy as opposed to like learning a language or something I didn't have time to take a hobby I was sort of like (laughs) oh one day I actually forgot to even feed my little one I was so busy and then it was like did anyone feed her when we found her eating chocolate chips behind the sofa it was like oh my goodness we forgot to feed her but that, is that because you had literally six minutes to yourself each day? Because by the time you got up and fed everyone and done a job and done your own job and cleaned the house and done homeschooling and fed people again and put the dishes away and then done some more homeschooling and then did all of these things took over and you go, oh, it's bedtime now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I think that's, a, I do feel like um, there's millions of people who have this exact same, there's people going, that was the same, you know, and I suppose... 
people were not really, I don't know how many people were talking about how, what a challenge it was and to that extent. Because I, I don't know, like how many people really were really coping. I have no idea. I think I did it quite badly, I'd say. I think we all did it quite badly. <laughs> I, I think I honestly think we all did a good job because it's never going to be easy, was it? We're not teachers. We are. We yeah. kind of we were all thrown into something which wasn't the norm, and you just you just do your best. You know? Yeah, I'll put my hand up and say you know there was hula hoops in our house very early on some mornings, but so be it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I found the worst part for me was the fact that I slightly because I figured that the kind of person I am, I, I'm a head chef of a world famous restaurant it's I've got a sort of way a work ethic and the way I am I've got a really creative 12 year old who's all singing and dancing and I'm like you know I was a bit there was times when I thought I my work ethic is how I am I'm like you know and I thought goodness me I'm putting that on my 12 year old or she should be just wonderful her in her own way and I just thought what made me not not upset it's not the right word but one of the things I had to challenge you know call myself on is the fact that putting your own set of objectives on your child rather than you know the way you work is it fair for you to try and put that on your 12 year old you should probably you know let them you know but you know I could hear myself some days being like you're you know and you just say gracious man never thought I'd hear the day that I was you know that sort of thing actually you're not running a kitchen here you're just trying to educate a 12 year old in like the history of the Tudors or something <laughs> Like we start at ten o'clock. <laughs> we have lunch at twelve. <laughs> yeah. The proper schedule up. <laughs> well, I just felt like it we needed a schedule because otherwise we'd never but yeah, that's so chefy. It's so dull. It's so dull. <laughs> Everything has a time in and a place, yeah. Yeah, every time we make a mess, we clean it, we make a mess. <laughs> no, it wasn't pleasant. I wasn't it wasn't pleasant generally. But we survived. And we were in Wales, so we were really, really lucky. Yeah. We had great weather, didn't we? We had we beautiful agreed. weather. We, yeah. We did have beautiful weather and you know. And uh, that, that did help a lot of it, I think. Yeah, and I had that I have got because I'm in Cowbridge, I had um my lovely friend, my school friend, actually, Richard, who runs um, the wine shop in Cowbridge, he, it was, that was obviously a saving grace as well. <laughs> <laughs> Having excellent fine wines nearby. <laughs> it definitely helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> that's super. Yeah. Lovely. Well, that, that's great. Thanks, Sean. We appreciate, yeah. you, appreciate your time. Very much. Oh, pleasure. Sean, thank you very much for chatting to us. I'm glad we didn't keep you for too much longer. It sounds like you need to get off and start cooking for another uh, batch of people that will be arriving very soon. Well, that's it for this episode. Next week, we're taking a week off to spend with the family. Don't forget to click subscribe to get all the latest episodes as soon as they arrive. Don't forget to listen to our new Chats at the Bar series every Tuesday for a short insight into business, money, finance, aspirations, dreams and planning. Also, if you're enjoying the series, please leave us some feedback with a quick review as this helps us to grow and ensure we are giving the audience the best experience. See you in a couple of weeks. We're having a bit of a holiday. Until next time, thanks for listening.